Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So apparently Benny Logan is awesome. And, oh yeah, so are both the Chiefs quarterbacks. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser, and this is episode 8 of the Chief in the North podcast, and there is a lot to talk about because, as you all know, the Chiefs played the Bengals on Saturday, and what a game it was, an absolute stomping um, that was just a privilege to watch, 30-12. to 12. Every single unit of the team looked dominant. It was fantastic to see. So much fun. And so there's so much to go over and so little time. Before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone who hasn't already to uh, subscribe to whatever, however you're following us, whether it's on iTunes or you know whatever podcast app that you use, whether it's on Blog Talk, to subscribe and review and rate and all those fun things. I know it sounds silly, but it really does make a difference. Um, I've really enjoyed bringing new material to you guys through this venue in something other than the written word. So make sure to do all that because, you know, I basically live for your approval. So let's do that. Anyway, we got to talk about what happened on Saturday. This was just a fantastic game. It was so much fun to watch on so many levels. I want to talk about a lot of topics today. I want to talk about the defensive line. I want to talk about the run defense overall. I want to talk about the running backs. I want to talk about D Ford and Passigno. Um, I want to talk about the corners, I want to talk about the starting and backup offensive line, and I want to talk quarterbacks. Those are all the topics that I felt like I could fit into this podcast, and even then I'm not sure if we're going to get there, because there's a lot of other stuff we could talk about. We could talk about the inside linebacker situation, um, which Rameek Wilson, I think, is really starting to seize a stranglehold on the starting spot, at least. Um, we could talk about the wide receivers, we could just talk about all kinds of things, but those are the topics I chose and I'm sticking to them. So let's dive right in, starting off with the big fellas up front, the defensive line. Um, Benny Logan finally got on the field on Saturday. After a little bit of time, the uh, the training staff's been real cautious with injuries this season, which I love. I love that they're being like that, especially for preseason, because there's no reason not to be. Um, be as cautious as possible. I don't want another Justin Houston situation. I want them to be too careful. And so... That's actually been good to see. Um, I've been stumping for Benny Logan for a long time. Um, As soon as I reviewed his film from last season with the Eagles, I've been on record saying I thought he would be a better player than Dontari Poe, at least the version of Poe we saw in 2016. And with regards to um, a run stopper, he lived up to everything I'd hoped he would be. The only successful, actual successful run the Bengals had all day was a run that bounced around the edge that really should have been prevented, except uh, it wasn't on the defensive line or even the guys holding the edge. Both Marcus Peters and Rameek Wilson really failed to to come up and plug the places they needed to plug. And that, and that was a, a run around the edge. Other than that, the Bengals, a team that is very good at running the ball, um, even last year before they had Mixon, who looked very talented, looked really good, honestly. 
Um, they just could not get anything going running the ball, and Benny Logan was a big part of that. I've got multiple gifts up on my Twitter account, which there's no way you don't follow me on Twitter if you listen to this, but just in case you don't, that's at RealMNChiefsFan for lots of gifts and analysis and all that stuff. Anyway, I've got multiple gifts of Benny Logan just blowing up run plays. And he doesn't always do it in ways that collects a tackle, but he just he he stands up individual blockers and it's not even close. He moves them wherever he wants them to go. He keeps his head up, he keeps them at arm's length. He 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 sees the runner coming and he stops him or he forces him to redirect to the rest of the defense. It's fantastic to watch. He is so stout against the run. And it was just, it was a treat to watch. I mean, he he is part of an overall defensive line that I think is going to look much better this year than it did last year. Um, he was he was he was awesome to watch. One cool thing that I I noticed was that they weren't just lining him up exclusively at nose tackle. They actually had uh, Nacho line up at nose tackle and Logan line up as a defensive end a few times. Additionally, they kept Logan in there on some of their two defensive linemen downs. Um, which you know traditionally have gone more to pass rusher types. I personally like that because that particular lineup has really been a weak spot against the run the last few years, and this is a great way to shore that up. Now Logan didn't demonstrate much in the term of pass rush moves that I saw, although he had he had a couple times where I thought his bull rush looked decent, but. If all he has to do is not be completely terrible there, and the benefits that he brings as a run defender in that role really can help out that formation in specific circumstances. So that was interesting to see him elsewhere besides pure nose tackle, and it was really good to see Nacho get some reps at nose tackle, knowing that if need be, I think maybe this year he could fill in there a little bit at his new weight and strength. Um, speaking of the defensive line, the next guy I want to talk about, Alan Bailey, he had another fantastic game. He looks good out there. He looks ready to go. And he is going to be a big part of the run defense this year. And maybe, I mean, he showed showed a little quickness on a, uh, on a, on a stunt then resulted in a quarterback sack. It wasn't necessarily a pass rush move or anything, but he showed the ability to move around there that I didn't think he had anymore at the weight he's now at. Having him back, it's interesting all offseason, you know, you hear it about the, the run defense is going to be a problem, the run defense is going to be a problem, and people have really overlooked the fact that one of their starting defensive linemen was going to be back, and, and, a, and a very competent player in Allen Bailey, and he looks like he might be better than ever. Between Bailey's return and Logan's being on the team, um, the fact that Nacho looks like a significantly better player than last year, and Chris Jones who seems to be, again, they're playing it real safe with him. I'm not too concerned about it. He doesn't seem too concerned about it. Between those four guys, I think they're going to have a really, really solid rotation of guys along the defensive line. And that's just exciting to see. And that kind of goes into the next topic that I want to talk about, which is run defense. That's been a concern for Chiefs fans because of how things ended down the stretch last year. Um, people have bad memories of the Pittsburgh game, Le'Veon Bell running all over the Steelers offensive line, really kind of having their way with the Chiefs defensive line. That was tough to watch. Um, and I know that's been a concern for people, you know, how are they going to stop the run this year? You know, and a lot of people kept saying, well, they didn't add anyone. Oh, they lost Poe. I think now that people have seen Benny Logan play, they can make a few comparisons to what they saw last year and realize, oh, that's an upgrade and a substantial one, at least with regards to run defense. And so last night was kind of the first, uh, well, depending, you'll be listening this Monday. Uh, so Saturday was the first 
time that we've gotten to see maybe what the starting run defense would look like, even without Chris Jones, who is a solid run defender in his own right. He's really good at blowing up plays, even if he's not always great with his assignment. He's a good run defender. And the Bengals could not get anything going. They could, Especially between the tackles, they just could not get anything going. And a lot of it is a testament to the work that you're seeing get put in by Benny Logan and Alan Bailey. But additionally, there were a couple of run plays where you saw Justin Houston shed his blocker with ease and not, and either that or set the edge in a way that prevented the run from going anywhere. And Mixon or Hill had to redirect and try to go somewhere else. And they just couldn't. There was just nowhere else to go. Um, you saw DJ out there doing the stuff that he usually does, even in preseason. And Rameek Wilson, again, looked quicker, firing off. He looked a little quicker to his assignments. Overall, the run defense against, again, a good running team looked really solid. I I have absolutely no complaints whatsoever about what the run defense did. And I think that bodes really well for the Chiefs moving forward. Um, that's that's a legitimate concern people have, and now people, you know, after seeing a few third and long completions to AJ Green, I know people are concerned about the pass defense now, and I'll talk about corners a little bit later in the show. I frankly, I'm not too worried about it. We saw what the pass defense could do last year, and we actually started to see some pressure, and so I, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Dalton. Just made some good plays, and AJ Green's impossible to cover. That, that's really what that was about. <laughs> when when you're not scheming to stop a guy like Green, which you don't in the preseason, you're not going to stop him because he's that good. But, you know, moving back to the run defense, it was really good seeing something that's been viewed as a potential weakness hold forth as a potential strength. Um, all offseason, we've, we've hoped that that would happen with Bailey returning and with Houston returning and the addition of Logan and then DJ coming back. And, you know, we were all hoping maybe a guy would step up at inside linebacker, you know, Chris Jones will be in a second year. Maybe he'll get better. Maybe not. will get better. A lot of those things seem to be falling into place. And as fans, a lot of those things don't always fall into place. These things we hope will happen. And it certainly appears like they are. And so that's just a great thing to see because if that could turn into a strength of the team rather than a weakness, that would be such a huge boon. I think people in three or four weeks, or maybe you know, maybe a little longer as the season starts to progress, are going to be wondering how on earth we managed to sign Benny Logan for a one-year deal that was $8 million. It wasn't crazy cheap, but it's not crazy expensive either. I think he's just a wonderful addition to the defensive line, and I just couldn't be more pleased with the immediate results of what I saw along the line because that guy does not get moved. And he moves individual offensive linemen. Blocking him one on one is a it's just a zero it's just a, there's no there's no chance of it in the vast majority of the time. And that's including with elite centers, if you look at his film in two thousand sixteen. It didn't matter who he was matched up against. He was tough to block one on one. And that separates him from Poe, who really struggled against the good centers in the league. There actually, if you check out my Twitter account, there's one really fun gif where he just kind of brushes aside his initial blocker and blows up not only the pulling guard to the left, but also a pulling tight end and just completely demolishes a run play by himself. You know, the Bengals ended up gaining a couple yards because everyone else in the defense kind of hesitated before they swarmed in, but it was just such a dominant snap. I'm just excited to see what he'll do um, as the year progresses. Such a good signing, in my opinion. Um, shifting gears a little bit, I kind of want to talk about, uh, a running back. Um, since we're talking about run defense, might as well talk about run offense. And 
you know, running back is an interesting position this year. You know, last year going into the preseason, we felt like, man, running back is this incredible position of strength. And then, you know, Jamal Charles never got healthy. Spencer Ware, after an extremely good start, like the first six weeks of the season, he looked fantastic. Um, He started getting a little nicked up and maybe, you know, just not quite the same. Um, and Charkandrick West, some fans were disappointed in what they saw from him last year. And so you want to be careful with, uh, with you know, Darren Reeves never materialized. You want to be careful with projections based on what you see in preseason action. Because we've been hurt before and we've seen that guys that are performing well in preseason, it just doesn't always translate. That said, it's kind of become an interesting quandary at, uh, at running back because there are multiple players who have looked really, really good. Kareem Hunt, after hardly seeing the ball at all in the Chiefs' first preseason game, had everyone asking, oh man, what's going on with that? Now, against the Bengals, he was kind of the bell cow. Spencer Ware got one carry, which he gained four or five yards. It was a good carry. He was was strong, hit the hole hard, uh, moved the pile a couple yards. Then Kareem Hunt took over, and he played out the majority of the half. He he, he had eight carries for 40 yards. Um, he looked, interestingly enough, comfortable in pass protection. There's one absolutely fantastic gif of him taking out two blitzers, or two free rushers, I guess I should say, on that fourth down conversion to Anthony Sherman, which is just, I mean, one of the best blocks you'll ever see. He literally takes out both of them and allows that completion to be made. He also caught three passes, all three of his targets, for another 23 yards. And overall, he just looks solid out there. I mean, obviously he had that one big run where he shrugged off four or five tackles. Um, if you watch his college film at all, that's what it was like watching him in college. He was just tough to bring down, and the first guy almost never got it done. And it was really good seeing that translate to the pro level. He doesn't necessarily have breakaway speed, but a couple times he demonstrated just enough speed to get to the edge. And, I mean, he just he looks like he's got decent vision. I don't know about elite yet. I did see him run into the back of his blockers one time, maybe twice, you could argue. And so I'm a little curious what he'll look like moving forward in that regard. Um, but overall, it was a really strong performance. And I, I, I'll be honest, I don't have any doubt as to what Spencer Ware can do when he's healthy. He's shown repeatedly, and even in preseason, the limited chances he's got, he looks like he's still running hard. He's still catching passes, still pretty shifty for a guy his size. Um, I think Spencer Ware is a very competent do-it-all back who, when healthy, is a very good NFL back. And honestly, when you see what, what, what Kareem Hunt did... It really does look like he could threaten to take a bunch of snaps because he looked real comfortable out there with the first team. Um, I was I was very impressed. I was very happy. I've been beating the cream hunt drum ever since they drafted him, and I watched his film, and I was like, how did this guy fall? Because he just looks legitimately difficult to tackle and miserable to play because, again, he just never goes down on first contact, and it was cool seeing that. And so that'll be interesting to watch moving forward. You know, as far as fantasy stuff goes, I wouldn't put my money on either one of those guys getting the lion's share of the carries. I know some people think Cream Hunt will be the the bell cow, and maybe, but I mean, Spencer Ware can really play, 
And so I, I'm just I'm very curious to see how this all ends up. I think Kareem Hunt would have to do a lot to be a guy who gets the vast majority of the snaps. You might see a legit you know 50-50 split with two guys who have similar skill sets, and so you don't have to change plays just because someone's substituting in. Everyone wants thunder and lightning. What I want are guys that are interchangeable, so you don't have to to tip your hand. Uh, when you're making a play call. Then, of course, you've got C.J. Spiller and Charkandrick West kind of fighting it out over the third running back spot. You know, people have asked whether they'll keep a fourth running back. They could. It would be a little unusual, but they could um, because C.J. Spiller looked really solid uh, against uh, second and third teamers with the second and third team offensive line. He looks like his burst is completely back. He looks fast. He hits the hole really decisively. I don't know if he's quite as shifty as I would like, but I mean, he, he, he's got some speed to him and his vision seems okay. He finds the holes and he gets through them in a hurry. Um, and then of course, Sharkandrick West, who just ran all over uh, Cincinnati's third string. It's kind of funny. I people have turned on West a little bit lately, and I had some people trying to tell me that you know he's you know he he's not fit to be on a roster. I think when you saw him out there with actual third string types, you could see that he was a cut above. He, he's just a little shiftier, a little quicker, a little better at finding the hole. And so he can play. And so it'll be interesting moving forward because we Reed generally seems to favor. Um, the incumbents, but I mean, Spillers looked good. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've got a very good problem here in that right now they've got four guys that I wouldn't, I mean, I think Hunt and Ware, I think are the two bell cow guys. Those are the guys I want on the field. But if Spiller or West had to take some snaps, it wouldn't bother me. And it's cool that you can go four deep at a position that that's that important. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about D Ford and what I saw from the right side. In the meantime, here's a word from, you know, some sponsors and stuff so the Minnesota Chiefs fan family can eat. All right, we are back and we are talking about D Ford from the right side of the defensive line or from the outside linebacker position. You know, it kind of becomes interchangeable at a certain point, although he does only usually have two feet or two feet. He only, he usually doesn't have a, a hand on the dirt. Um, so, you know, D Ford, a lot of people have asked me a lot of questions about what I think of what happened with him last year. He, he was on fire early in the season and not just sack totals. His film looked good too, guys. This isn't just a matter of counting sacks. This was, he looked solid. He looked really good rushing the passer. And then he switched to the right side when Houston came back and he seemed to fall off a cliff. And as I've said before, I think what people forget is that he suffered a hamstring injury and missed a game, missed part of another game. And when he came back, he didn't seem quite as explosive. I made it a point to watch him pretty closely on the rewatch. Um, and he looks pretty good rushing the passer from that right side. He had a couple offsides penalties early, which, you know, that'll bug anyone. But I got to tell you, he looks quick around the corner. He had a really nice bull rush. He had an inside an inside move. He seems like he's starting to develop some counter moves from the right side, not just the left side. And so I was really pleased seeing what he did. And it gave me a lot of hope for how he's going to do moving forward. Um... You know, as far as run defense goes, nothing really stood out to me one way or another. He is really quick um, down the line when he is not blocked, uh, which schematically speaking, outside linebackers are often left unblocked on certain stretch plays and that kind of stuff. And he's so fast down the line that he's really good at creating havoc on run plays like that. 
Other than that, he's not exactly what you're looking for in a run defender from what I'm seeing, but I didn't see any moments where he was some kind of glaring weak spot. Um, I It'll be interesting to see him, too, moving forward. He looked quicker off the line in the first game, too, and now that's two games in a row where you could kind of see some... You you could see him doing from the right side what I think he was doing from the left side last season. He had multiple pressures, and look, pressures change games. I mean, pro football focus, whatever you think of them, has done really good work looking at the quarterback rating of a quarterback when not under pressure versus under pressure. And basically, it's the equivalent of going from Aaron Rodgers to, like, Jared Goff. I mean, it's just this unbelievable drop-off in performance from being under pressure versus not having pressure. So whether or not you collect the sack, pressures matter so much in the NFL if you want to slow down uh, the opposing passer. And so it's been cool to see him get there from the right side and really start to cause some havoc. Um, Andy Dalton was under pressure. He just made some good plays, um, escaping pressure and getting from the pocket. There were probably three or four plays where if the quarterback doesn't do a good job escaping the pressure, you're talking about a sack there. And uh, Justin Houston got there a couple times, the same thing. Um, He was close, and Dalton just made a decent play, scrambling away. And Dalton, for all his other faults, he's not bad at escaping pressure. Uh, He's actually pretty solid at that every time I've seen him play, at least. That's one of his strengths, is getting, getting away from pressure and getting outside the pocket. And so... I, I, I got to say, I was pretty happy with what I saw from the pass rush, especially when you're considering that it's a fairly limited scheme, and Bob Sutton, in his defense, scheming is one of the things he does best. And so, you know, they had the sack on him, they had a few hits on Dalton, they had multiple pressures, and I think it really affected their offense um, as as the first half went along. So... D Ford, another guy to keep an eye out because he's playing well. I'm telling you, this has been an interesting preseason because a lot of things that we're hoping for, they seem to be happening. Now, preseason can be fool's gold, but I got to tell you, it's a lot better seeing the things you want to have happen happen in preseason than seeing the opposite. And speaking of edge rushers, um, Passigno, who you know in the course of one game went from an interior defensive lineman to an edge rusher. Now, to be fair, he played some edge. Uh, last week against the Niners, but uh, re-watching the game, he was, other than a few snaps, he was almost exclusively on the edge, and the vast majority of the time that I watched him, he had uh, he was in a two-point stance, no hand in the dirt. And they actually, as I watched, they had him out in coverage a few times. In one play, he ended up in coverage on a slot receiver. And it was it was kind of wild to watch because I mean he's six foot seven, two hundred ninety pounds. You see him running around out there. It's like who is he covering? Now to be fair, he gave up the catch. So I'm not saying he's some kind of savant that was able to actually do it um, with regards to man coverage of a slot receiver. But it was crazy seeing the responsibilities they were trusting him with. Um, I gotta say I was impressed with the amount of improvement I saw from. Passigno from one game to the next. Now, the competition level varies so widely from one team's backups to another that I can't be entirely certain that this isn't just a case that the the backups in Cincinnati are just significantly worse than the backups in San Francisco. That could be it. Um, but he looked better rushing from the edge than he did from rushing inside the tackles last week. That doesn't really surprise me because he looked better doing that in college too. Um, He had a a good bull rush converted into basically a spin move into the quarterback for a sack. He had a couple other bull rushes. He had a couple plays where he essentially just shrugged off the blocker and was able to get some pressure. Um, 
it's still a work in progress. I wouldn't call him remotely dominant by any means, but it, it was interesting seeing him rush from that edge. He's clearly more comfortable with his hand in the dirt, but I was impressed with the fact that he seemed more comfortable as the game went along, standing up. He looked, I mean, he still looks wooden out there. And well, he looks like a six foot seven, 290 pound guy running around. Like he's some kind of, you know, he's some kind of linebacker. And it's bizarre to see. But as the game went along, he looked a little more fluid and a little more comfortable in his own skin running around. And so I have to wonder if this isn't just growing pains for him as they try to develop him into apparently a gigantic edge rusher of some sort, um, or some kind of hybrid edge rusher, occasional defensive tackle. But it was it was good to see him look a little more comfortable, but he definitely doesn't, doesn't look natural yet doing it. Um, he still has the physical gifts, though, with his burst off the line and his natural strength. And once he gets going, he is fast. I wouldn't call him quick by any stretch of the imagination, like a three-cone quick type guy. But he has got some speed, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so it'll he's another guy. You've got to watch him moving forward because I can't figure out if he'll contribute this year or not. I'm leaning towards not because he still doesn't look natural out there. If you, if you compare him to, say... Okine, you know, number 44, who's been getting a lot of pressures and a lot of hits on quarterbacks with the uh, with the third stringers. He, Okine, he looks more like a natural doing it. He looks like a guy that's been playing outside linebacker for a while. He looks quick. He looks like he's polished in what he's doing. And you can see Passigno just doesn't have that. Now, obviously, I think they'll favor Passigno because they, they just drafted him this year, and he's like five years younger. Um, and so it's all about potential with him at this point. But you know, my my point is that he doesn't necessarily look natural doing it. And so we'll kind of see where things where things go from there. But again, as the game went on, he looked more comfortable. Just like last week, as the game went on, I noticed his pad level improved. Now I don't think he's some guy who can just learn the game, or learn you know how to fix problems during the course of a game because that would require a ridiculous learning curve. But I don't know. He seems to learn quickly, and that's what I want to see out of him. Um, sticking with the defense, I, I do want to touch on the cornerback situation. I've had a lot of people ask me about Philip Gaines, and a lot of people who are starting to worry because Terrence Mitchell is still out and injured, which, you know, that's a problem. Um, and, you know, Gaines got picked on by Cincinnati. I, I would tell people to maybe relax a little bit with regards to Gaines getting picked on. I mean, Basically, what happens in preseason is you, generally speaking, run some pretty basic coverages. You don't run anything too exotic in terms of blitz. And so what you basically had was Philip Gaines being assigned the job of stopping uh, A.J. Green by himself. And that's just not going to happen, especially on a few plays where Dalton did a good job escaping pressure and buying time and then forcing Gaines to be in coverage for, you know, four, five, six seconds. That's just not a reasonable expectation to have for any cornerback, let alone a guy that's likely your fourth string guy. So I I understand why people are a little bit concerned because there were some long third down conversions and no one wants to see that. But it's worth noting that when, you know, they were in the money zone, when they were in the red zone, when, when things were important, they generally speaking were able to prevent AJ Green from killing them. And so I'm not too worried about the corner situation. I wish I knew what was going on with Terrence Mitchell. They've been so careful with everyone else that I'm not worried yet, but I would like to see him play before the preseason ends because I think uh, I think Peters 
Nelson and Mitchell is a is a good cornerback trio, but once you start dipping into someone else as your third guy and your fourth guy, that that worries me. And so Mitchell's health is a pretty big deal unless some young guy is ready to step up or unless Gaines is ready to step up. Worth noting with Gaines, he was there in coverage on most of these snaps. It was frustrating to watch because he looks like he's gotten back some of his speed and some of the quickness that it seemed like he'd lost last year, maybe due to injury or whatever. He was in position on some of those passes to A.J. Green. He just didn't make a play on the ball. And obviously, you know, just being there and, and delay, delivering a hit on A.J. Green, that's not going to get the job done because A.J. Green's still going to bring it down every time. And so I, I think it was a combination of a, of a really tough guy to cover, being left on an island defensively, lack of scheming around it. And then a few nice plays by the quarterback. So, no, I'm not really all that worried. Um, the passing defense has proven itself, even last year with a bad, uh, generally bad, or at least shaky pass rush at times. So I'm not too worried about that until it becomes time to worry about it. Now, if Tom Brady carves them up, am I going to change my mind? Probably not, because Tom Brady and that offense look like they're going to be stupid good. So... <laughs> I would just I would uh I would reserve judgment until we see a little more uh, but I do think it is important for Terrence Mitchell to be healthy cuz I think he's better at contesting the ball than Gaines and it's not even close and I think that would have made a big difference in the game that we saw out there. So, you know, keep good thoughts in mind for Terrence Mitchell's health because he could be important and who would have thought, you know, at this time last year that, you know, when a year from now Seth's going to be saying Terrence Mitchell is pretty important to the team. Just goes to show how this stuff goes. Uh, flipping back, I want to talk about the offensive line before we take one more break. And then I'm going to talk about the subject that everyone I know wants to hear about, the quarterbacks. And, uh, and that, that should be enough <laughs> for one podcast. I feel like we've covered a ton of ground already. And I'm already utilizing my ability to talk as fast as humanly possible to fit in as much as humanly possible. So the offensive line. Um, once again, the starting offensive line looked good from what I saw. I haven't charted anything, but I did rewatch it. I kind of paid some attention to the protection and the run blocking. Um, I saw, I saw pretty solid run blocking most plays. Pass protection wasn't as great as it was against the Niners, but it was still pretty good the majority of the time. In fact, I would still say it was very good the majority of the time. And then there were a few hiccups. Um, Witzman, I'm still not sure about. And frankly, I don't know whether or not the coaches are sure about him, because it's worth noting that before the rest of the second string swapped in, um, uh, Witzman was, was swapped out for Zach Fulton along at the left guard spot. And then Zach Fulton came in and played with the first stringers. Now, that could mean nothing. They could just be kind of trying to keep Fulton sharp in case they need to call on him. But I got to tell you, if, if you're seizing the job, I think it's more important that you get reps than anything else. I really would like to see Parker Anger back. I think Parker Anger would be the best option there based on what I saw in his rookie season. Um, I think his, his ceiling is a lot higher than Zach Fulton's. And I think he's already as good a player for what the Chiefs need from their left guard spot. But overall, I was pretty happy with the, uh, with the offensive line. They weren't allowing a lot of pressure. Um, and the pressure they did allow to was either a little delayed or, you know, maybe schematic. And they were able to give Alex in particular time to get stuff done and look pretty good doing it. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't nearly as good as it was against the Niners where they were outright dominant, but it was still good. 
and that's again encouraging to see that offensive line would be huge for Alex this year because I just you know like any other quarterback if you can lower like I said the 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 passer rating goes from like an Aaron Rodgers to a to a Jared Goff and so if you can even just have five more snaps like that per game think of what a difference that makes for you production wise and statistically one thing that I'm super worried about is the backup offensive line um, I am just, I am not, outside of Zach Fulton, I am not thrilled with the depth there, particularly at tackle. Um, Hawkins and, and Reed both, they just get beat so often in pass protection, just around the edge time after time after time after time. I am very, very worried what it would look like if either uh, Eric Fisher or Mitch Schwartz had to miss more than like a game. And even that one game, they would have to very heavily scheme to protect to protect Alex Smith. And I just don't I I don't see it working for a sustained amount of time because they're getting smoked against second and third stringers. And I can't even imagine what like a Von Miller would do to them. I think it would look a lot like what Justin Houston did to Ty Sombreo in the first half of the Chiefs Denver game last year. I think it would be an absolute bloodbath. And so I'm really concerned about what it would look like if our offensive line sustained injuries, especially a tackle. I think we got a few options at guard because Fulton can play anywhere there. But I don't think it's any coincidence that they apparently, from what I've heard, have been practicing Fulton at tackle a little bit because at this point, I think they're just trying to see if they can fit in anyone there to can, who can do a relatively competent job. And <laughs> that's not what you really want to see from coaches at that point. You know, Do we have anyone who can do this? That's not what you want. But it's where they're at. And so, you know, much like with Terrence Mitchell, pray for the health of the Chiefs starting tackles. All right, we're going to take one more break, and then I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith, everyone's absolute favorite topic. Quarterback is a unique position in the NFL. Um, Not only uh, with the amount of scrutiny that it comes under, but in, I think, how much it's misunderstood by a lot of fans. I, I preface what, what I'm about to talk about with that, just because I think it's important that before we really start talking about Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, it really does need to be noted that all quarterbacks, even the elite ones, even Aaron Rodgers, although him less than others, rely on the system that they're in, you know, their coaching, and the players around them and how they execute. And how those players execute is going to play a huge role in how quarterbacks look. And so because of that, that's why I don't look at stats to say how a quarterback did. Um, it's it's a glance at how the team passing offense did. But, you know, a 60-yard screen is not the same thing as a, as, a, as a 60-yard bomb down the field on a rope with, you know, three guys dragging you down. Those are two wildly different plays for a quarterback, but statistically they remain the same. And so quarterback for me is a, is a position that the only thing I think is adequate to judge a guy off of is looking at his film and maybe trying to chart really in-depth stats, not, you know, completion percentage necessarily, but, you know, accurate throws or, or 
you know, clean pockets bailed out on or receivers missed down the field. You got to really get into the nitty gritty to figure out what a quarterback was doing independent of what his teammates did. Because if a quarterback makes a great throw and the receiver drops it, that doesn't say anything to me about the quarterback. It says something to me about the receiver. And yet completion percentage wise, we think it says something about the quarterback. So I say all this to as a preface to the fact that what I did is I went back and I looked at every snap for Alex Smith and every snap for Patrick Mahomes multiple times, trying to get a gauge for what each of them did well. And both of them, man, well, before I get into that, to gauge what each of them did well and to kind of see maybe my opinion on who's better at what, you know, which is that's what we always want to do, right? With the backup and the starter, you want to compare them and who can do what and who can't do what. And look, I'm not immune. I have been, (laughs) I don't know how it happened, but I've somehow become one of the lead pushers for start Mahomes now. Not because I actually think they should necessarily start Mahomes now, but because I'm very open to the possibility that he could. Okay, and so because of that, I always end up arguing that side because there's a very large segment of Chiefs fans that are adamantly against the idea that he should start this year and that it's even a possibility. And so by arguing against those reasons, I end up looking like I am just like super pro. Let's throw him in there right now. He's better than Alex, whatever. And that's the camp I get thrown in with. That's not where I'm at. Where I'm at is where I've been at throughout preseason. Based on what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes, I feel like there's a chance that he could develop quickly enough to operate Andy Reid's offense and operate it pretty well early on in the season. And because I trust Andy Reid's ability as a play caller, I think Andy Reid would be able to scheme around his 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 need to learn the entire offense and his inability at this point to read defenses as well as say an Alex Smith and take advantage of the strengths he does have. And that's where we'll get into the differences between the two quarterbacks in a moment. So I'm trying to distill my actual Patrick Mahomes take here because again, I just, man, some of y'all are mean. (laughs) I've got people that seem like angry with me that like I've abandoned Alex. Alex Smith has played really well, and I think he should be lauded for that. And so I got to tell you, for for them to replace Alex in 2017 with the way he's looking, man, they better be sure that Mahomes can play at a competent level right out of the gate because Alex Smith has been playing very, very well in the preseason. And so we'll, we'll move into what, what he's been doing. Um what I've seen from Alex, he's only tested downfield a couple times, but each time he's thrown an accurate ball. That's a big deal because accuracy down the field is something Alex has traditionally struggled with. Additionally, and people can say it's just preseason, all that. I get it. I hear you, but we can only go off the information we have. Um, the touchdown to Demetrius Harris, Alex Smith threw it into tight coverage with a tight window, put the ball in a perfect spot. He led Harris and threw him open to where Harris had to go and get the ball across the middle rather than throwing it to where Harris was. Had he thrown it to where Harris was, that's a potential pick. And he threw it, I mean, I mean, it was it was a rocket in there. Zipped it right in there for a touchdown. It was great to see. That down the field throw to Kelsey, which we've seen before, but man, that was right in stride and it was a thing of beauty. On a quick side note on that Kelsey throw, there's a great gif out there, or quick video that I retweeted that shows... The, uh, the the Bengals were playing single high safety on that snap, and that single high safety bailed to protect. Um, Tyreek Hill was lined up wide left, 
and he was running a deep route. And even when Smith uh, had used a bit of a hard count, which he did a lot of to try to read the defenses, you saw the deep safety, the, the, the single high safety, bail out to start helping on Tyreek Hill's side. So he, so Smith knew he was going to do that, and from the looks of it, changed the play call or changed Kelsey's route and then ran Kelsey right up the seam to the exact spot that free safety had vacated. And it was gorgeous to see, and it demonstrated the impossibility without two deep safeties of covering both Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You cannot do it because neither of those guys... Kelsey's not a guy you can cover one-on-one. You can't. You've got to respect him. And Tyreek Hill has shown he needs to be respected too. That's just a quick side note there of something I saw in film that was just fantastic. And the person who made the video of it, I cannot remember who it was. It's a national guy. Maybe it was Gil Brandt. Whoever it is, they had access to preseason all 22, and I'm jealous of them. So anyway, what what Alex has done, well, he, he's testing the field deep, and he's throwing the ball well. He's making aggressive throws into tight windows. He looks like he's trying to go through progressions a little more, although he still tucks his head and runs fairly quickly. Um, he's using his legs again and using them well. It's just overall, Alex, um, he also, before I even get it into the summary, he's also doing the things pre-snap that you want to see from him. Pretty much every snap against the Bengals, Alex got up there with at least 10 seconds to spare, which is a big deal for him. He is a pre-snap read quarterback. He is a guy who needs to see the field in advance if he wants to be effective. And he kept doing hard counts and getting the Bengals players to move around just a little bit. I mean, hard count might be the wrong terminology there. You, you get what I'm saying here. Um, and he kept seeing where they were moving around, and he would he would adjust the play accordingly, or he would change his reads accordingly, and he was picking them apart. It was really good to see. He ran the offense very smoothly, was throwing the ball accurately. He had one very poor throw to Chris Conley in the red zone that was unfortunate. He was under pressure, but the ball really sailed on him, which, I mean, it could have resulted in a much easier chance at a touchdown the next play, or maybe Conley might have had a shot to get there. I doubt it, but he might have. And so that was an unfortunate thing. But outside of that, I mean, Smith was nearly flawless. And that is so great to see. Um, Because, again, I think Alex Smith, this could have gone a couple different ways. My opinion has always been that I think Alex Smith is going to take what's happening here. See, I mean, you know, when you see Andy Reid draft a gunslinger, you okay, well, that's what you want. Okay, well, I'm going to try it. And I think Alex, you know, I think he's going to go down swinging, not just doing the things that he knows, but I think he's going to try to do the things that he sees Andy Reid want to do. Alex, or that he sees Andy Reid wants his quarterback to do. Alex knows he's essentially in a contract here at this point. Now that we've seen how competent Mahomes looks already, which we'll get to in a second, Alex has to know that there's almost no way outside of a miracle that he's going to be the Chiefs quarterback next year. And that's just the truth. Um... It's not doesn't have anything to do with Alex, just the fact that the guy they traded to up to get, he looks like he's developing at an almost an alarming rate if you're Alex Smith. And so he knows when he's playing this year, if he thinks he's got a lot of football left to play and he wants a legitimate good offer from a team or an opportunity to to start and really be the guy somewhere, he's gotta he's gotta play well this year. Um, obviously that would benefit the Chiefs because they got him under contract for one more year. And Andy Reid, I think, is the type of guy that would let Alex have some input as to where he was traded. And, and so Alex knows all these things. And so far, he looks as good as he's ever looked as a chief. And then there's Patrick Mahomes, who, 
for the second week in a row, outplayed expectations. Um, this time by playing better than he played in the first week, um, by a pretty wide margin, by making multiple wow plays. Um, I wouldn't even know where to begin with those, um, but the simple fact of the matter is the one that got a ton of national attention that you saw on Twitter, you know, multiple analysts were retweeting going, holy smokes, was the play where on a, on a naked bootleg, meaning there was a free rusher there, the rusher was not fooled one bit and was going right at Mahomes right as the bootleg began. And Mahomes had absolutely no right to escape that, none whatsoever, but he did. And it was really impressive. Um, he escaped it with a stiff arm, kept moving, then on the run threw a laser to Escobar, um, it, who wasn't necessarily that open and for a first down. It was one of the more impressive plays you'll you'll see in the preseason from a quarterback. It was just a tough play to make. Someone commented to me, and I agree, there are a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL who can make that play, like ever make that play, and he is one of them. And that's just what he brings to the table. And it wasn't just that play either. Um, He converted every third down he was part of. Now, you know, one of those was a screen pass that was more schematic. But he executed the offense well. He converted a long third down to to DeAnthony Thomas, where he moved around the pocket a little bit, fired it into the middle of the field, where, you know, supposedly all this danger was for him which he didn't throw a single near pick in the middle of the field. Now, he did throw a near pick with his first pass, um, but and we'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, he, he, he did basically everything he was asked to do. He did, and he did it very well. His footwork still clearly needs a lot of work, but it doesn't affect his throw, and it doesn't seem to affect his pocket presence much. He moved around the pocket. He avoided pressure. Um, he just he looked good. Um, he, he made the little plays. The one hiccup that he had was his very first throw. And frankly, to me, Mahomes looked like he had some jitters right out of the gate, starting with the first team. Um, and who wouldn't? As, as my understanding, when I heard the uh, I read uh, an article that, the, that was on the KC Star, Mahomes didn't know he was going to play. And maybe he had his suspicions, but he didn't know. And then Reed said, hey, warm up. I don't think that that was by accident. Andy Reid wanted to see how he would handle that. And Mahomes went in, and the very first throw that he made, it was a p- very poor decision. He uh, he hesitated. Um, he clearly wanted to go deep. Um, I like the fact that when it wasn't there, he didn't try to force it. And then he looked to hit Sherman on the outside, but he hesitated for a moment, and then off balance, he tried to fire it in there and let his arm compensate, and he almost got picked off. Now, I'll say two things about that throw. One, had it been like a corner or a safety or someone with a little more get up and go, that would have absolutely been picked off. Two, Patrick Mahomes demonstrated why guys who have big arms can get away with things a little bit more because the velocity he was still able to put on the ball despite being off balance and late is what one of the things that kept it from getting picked. So you can see why you get away with it just a little bit more. That was a very bad play. That that was just that's what I think a lot of people who have been saying Mahomes can't start this year. They were instantly, "Oh, see? See I showed it." Well, and then for the next two quarters Mahomes proved to, that that was more the exception than the rule. Because other than that, there were no potential picks. There were no risky throws over the middle. There were only plays made 
um, both within the context of running the offense, which were multiple plays there, quick one-read throws, that kind of thing, and plays that when things broke down, Mahomes made something happen. And it was just, it was a wildly impressive performance, um, both with the first team and the second team. And the fact is, he drove the first team down the field and they scored. He drove the second team down the field and they scored. Uh, he, he just, he looked very good doing it. Um, on his first touchdown pass, uh, he he clearly scanned the field. He he when he booted. Was this a second touchdown pass? Anyway, um, he 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 was he 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 rolled out to his right, and you watched him. This is his first one. I apologize. And you watched his him go through his progressions um, as receivers were running right along with him. It's the type of play call you've seen a million times with the Chiefs. And he he didn't throw to Sherman, who was the shallow dump off route. He didn't throw to I believe it was Ross Travis, who was running right towards the corner. Instead, he recognized the fact that the safety was following Ross Travis to the corner. Corner. And so he stopped and he threw it to Demetrius Harris, who was trailing nearby. And Harris was was wide open when the ball was thrown. The safety almost made a great play coming off coverage of Travis and getting to Harris, but he just wasn't able to get there on time. Um, that would have been an incredible play by the safety, um, but he just couldn't do it. And it was good. You you could see Mahomes going through his progressions with every snap that he took. You could see him looking at each receiver, one, two, three, finding the, the open guy. Um, you could see the arm talent. You could see him make stuff happen when the pocket breaks down. I got two more points about Mahomes, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up a little bit. Um, Mahomes, when he's under pressure, is terrifying. And that is an incredibly rare trait in the NFL. There's only a few quarterbacks that have it. Ben Roethlisberger has it. When Ben is under pressure and he doesn't get sacked, it's terrifying. You're like, oh crap! And he's one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL where even when you see, you know, one of your one of your defensive linemen run free at him, you're not celebrating yet like you are with a lot of other quarterbacks because you never know when he's going to shake loose and just bomb the crap out of you. Aaron Rodgers is obviously the best in the league at that. Those are the two guys that are the oh crap, guys, where the defense thinks they have them, then they don't, and then they make a play. And I, in my opinion, there's nothing more demoralizing for a defense than when they think they're about to get a sack, but the guy wriggles free or runs free and then fires a laser for a first down. That's incredibly demoralizing for a defense. It's demoralizing for a pass rusher because you almost reach out, well, what's the point? And so Patrick Mahomes has that in spades. It's one of his best features. Um, the other thing that he's got is incredible arm talent. On his incomplete pass on the left side to Demarcus Robinson, if you get a chance, go back and watch that. It looks to me like a back shoulder throw um, where the defender, the corner, had his head turned. Mahomes recognized the back of the helmet and just fired it in there. I thought it was a bad pass when I reviewed it. It actually was an incredible pass that went, you know, Robinson stopped, jumped, and the ball went right through his hands. Now, he was being interfered with, but it went through his hands because, I mean, it was a laser. That thing was, I mean, shot out of a cannon, unbelievably hard throw. And it was done that way because the corner actually had great coverage. And he got his head turned and he tried to contest, but he couldn't get his hand in the way on time because the throw was such a missile. And I would say it was such a good throw that it made the coverage almost irrelevant. And that's what I want to see with that kind of arm talent. So when you look at, uh, you know, we're we're getting a little longer here than I'd like to get, but I just want to say, you know, if you're talking about Alex versus Mahomes, because um, there are people calling for Mahomes to start, and I really, I don't have a dog in that fight. I really don't. I think Mahomes could. I don't know if he should. 
I don't think it would hurt his development, and I don't know if it would necessarily hurt the Chiefs either. But I think Alex is looking like he might be a legit player this year. And so that's where it gets tough for me. Um, With regards to what they each do well, what Alex brings to the table is the fact that he knows the whole offense, obviously, but you see what he does pre-snap, and it's a lot more than what Mahomes does. He is a lot better at dissecting coverages and recognizing weaknesses in the defenses. It's just not close. Alex has a huge edge in that department. And, you know, Mahomes' first throw shows another edge Alex has. You're rarely going to see mistakes like that from Alex Smith. Those are two big edges for Alex, and who, again, is looking really good. And those are in two huge edges for him that Mahomes would have to overcome. What Mahomes has in his favor is that ability to turn a sack into a first down. That that pocket presence and arm and just that natural kind of gamer, whatever you want to call it, what everyone thought Johnny Manziel had, but he clearly didn't have if you watched his film. Um, he's got that. He's got that Aaron Rodgers. And no, I'm not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. No, not comparing him. It's a trait and one that only Rodgers, maybe Andrew Luck, possesses as well. He's another good one, besides Rodgers and Big Ben. I've seen Russell Wilson make plays like that, though not as frequently. I mean, these are rare guys, and Mahomes has that trait. It's just a tough, tough, tough thing to do, and you can't teach that. And he also obviously has that incredible arm talent to force in throws that Alex Smith simply cannot make. Um and so, you know, then then that goes along with, you know, progressions post-snap. He's a little calmer in the pocket. And so they both have strengths where I think they're better. One is better than the other. What does it all add up to? I have personally no idea. Um, what I'd like to see is more. I'd like to see more from Mahomes and I'd like to see more from Alex. But I got to tell you, the amount of improvement that we're seeing from Mahomes week to week at this point is spooky. And I think Mahomes is a guy that smells blood in the water. Now, Alex, to his credit, Alex ain't putting a drop of blood in that water. He is leaving no vulnerabilities there. And so if Mahomes wants something here, he's going to have to take it. And I think he'd have to do something crazy impressive to pull this off at this point because Alex is playing so well. But... I'm still in that 10-15%. It wouldn't shock me if there was an Andy Reid presser where he said, look, we thought Patrick would be here. He's ahead of where we thought he'd be. We're going to give him a, a start with a, a shot with the ones here, blah, blah, blah. We still love Alex. Uh, a 10-15% chance. I don't think there's a high chance of it, mostly because of how well Alex has been playing as well. And so we'll see what happens moving forward. Either way, what we have is two quarterbacks that are playing awesome and that is fantastic news this is a great time to be a chiefs fan well look that's all i've got for you this week in the chief in the north podcast i gotta say it was a bit longer than i normally like to be but there's so much to talk about right now so much and again it's a good time to be a chiefs fan i appreciate you guys joining me again remember to subscribe tell your friends tell your family wow i listen to this podcast it's amazing and all that fun stuff so i can keep bringing you this stuff if it's something that you enjoy uh again Thanks for lending me your time. I really appreciate your questions on Twitter that brought up pretty much all of the topics that I had today. And I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week, Monday. Every Monday, that's the Chief in the North podcast day. Um, I look forward to speaking to you guys again, hopefully talking about an even better day for the Chiefs quarterbacks. All right, that's it, guys. Take care and go Chiefs.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.